Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college. Learn more at woodwardhines.org. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, February 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll learn more about a controversial bill on education funding. Will taxpayer dollars to private schools? Then find out the two risky habits putting Mississippians at risk for cancer. And as you prepare for the big game, food safety experts are waving on the flag before any dish spoils. Plus, the story of an unsung civil rights hero in Hattiesburg being recognized by the state. He literally died trying to receive a full education. That type of persistence is unmatched. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. controversial bill is making its way through the Mississippi legislature that would use taxpayer dollars to pay for private school tuition. The Equal Opportunity for Mississippi Students Act would expand the current program, which offers scholarship accounts to special needs students and those with dyslexia. Republican Senator Gray Tollison of Oxford authored the bill. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the opportunity would begin to allow all students to leave public schools and attend other schools. There are several hundred uh, students that are taking advantage of it that are special needs. Their parents are given a choice if they're not happy with the services that are provided in the public school. To be eligible under existing law, you have to have had an IEP, which is uh, for special needs students. Within the last five years, their parents can choose to get other services. And there are 80 some odd special purpose and private schools that serve these students. The total number of students that are being served currently are 430 in all of our different choice programs in the state, which include charter schools, special needs, education scholarship accounts, and the dyslexia scholarship. We have about 1,600 students, Um, and it's a parent's choice. I would hope everyone would want a child to reach their maximum potential and and get an education, and and that's what our effort is uh, trying to do. It's just not for... The general public? Yeah, yeah, and that's the existing law. The, the new law is expanding the education scholarship, giving preference to special needs students and for low-income students. And it's different from vouchers. Vouchers are tuition paid directly to the school. This money is paid directly to the parent. The scholarships are just like a Pell Grant is given to a student or through a 529 plan where parents can put money into a account for students for college and that money can be used at the end of uh, uh, when a child goes to college tax-free. You get a deduction when that money is put into the account. But these would um, expand this for um, over, over year, over several years, but anybody could, uh, could apply. Critics of this are that taxpayer money should stay with public schools and not be used for private institutions. 
we do that all across the board right now. Private schools can educate children. And it's interesting that wealthy parents in the city of Jackson don't go to Jackson Public Schools. They choose to send their children to Jackson Academy, Jackson Prep, St. Andrews. So why shouldn't people who can't afford that be given that same opportunity? What we're trying to do is the end goal, educate every child. This is not about protecting the system. This is how can we teach kids to reach their maximum potential. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Absolutely. Senator Gray Tollison. Democratic Senator David Blunt of Jackson is on the Education Committee. He tells our Desiree Frazier he doesn't support the measure. I believe public money should be used for public schools. Uh, We're not doing the job we ought to be doing right now, funding our public schools, uh, and we can't simply take taxpayer money and use it to pay private school tuition. Uh, I respect any decision that any parent wants to make about where to send uh, their children, but the state budget, uh, public money, taxpayer money is for public schools. Why do you think there is such a push to uh, pass legislation for this? Well, I believe they're uh, large campaign contributors and people who want to get their hands on the public money. And, and, uh, and they don't care what damage it may do to the public schools. They want to get their hands on that money for their private purposes. And it's a bad bill, and I hope we kill it. In the meantime, what will happen to public schools should this legislation pass? If this legislation passes, it will take hundreds of millions of dollars from the state treasury, and it will go to pay private school tuition. Uh, If if it passes, that's what will happen. And uh, I think that's not what we ought to be doing with taxpayer money. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Senate Bill 2623 passed out of the Education Committee and now goes to the full Senate. Coming up, find out the two risky habits putting Mississippians at risk for cancer. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Many Mississippians are addicted to opioids. I had my knee cut on in four different places and was prescribed some pain meds. Opioids are dispensed at high rates in Mississippi. More pills mean more opportunity to misuse. But I was a secret user nobody knew. I simply liked how it made me feel. Addicts share their pathways to addiction as part of the series Hooked, Mississippi's Opioid Hangover. Watch this Southern Remedy special Thursday, February 22nd at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi is ranked 12th in the nation for cancer deaths. This according to a recent report by the American Society of Clinical Oncology. The report draws attention to two behaviors that increase cancer risk, particularly among young people, e-cigarette use and indoor tanning. Sandra Shelson is executive director of the Partnership for a Healthy Mississippi. She tells us about the danger of e-cigarettes. It's interesting because when they were originally designed, they were to help people cut back and not have the combustible experience that would lead to secondhand smoke and maybe some more serious consequences from, um, from using combustibles. However, what we have found is we don't really know everything and the long-term harm that's in the vapor, and because they do contain nicotine. Nicotine is the addictive aspect, whether it's a cigarette, whether it's uh, chewing tobacco, whether it's an e-cigarette. What we're finding is if kids are using e-cigarettes, that 
it increases their likelihood of switching to a combustible, you know, a, a regular cigarette. If you Which will. is interesting because you mentioned, I mean, when they first came out, adults used them to quit smoking because they would be a healthier alternative. So it was to get away from smoking regular cigarettes. And now you're saying it's encouraging kids to start with these cigarettes and then they move on to regular cigarettes. That's what is being shown now. You know, we've these, they've been around for long enough now that we can see do people really uh, stop smoking that use them? And I think the answer might not be yes. I think the answer is they're, they're vaping just as much as they were smoking because it's nicotine and nicotine is addictive. But what happened is the tobacco companies bought up most of the big brands of e-cigarettes. And before the big tobacco settlement 20 years ago, that was one of their tactics. They were producing flavored cigarettes. Well, that was obviously intended to entice kids. They're using the same advertising tactics for these that they used before the settlement when they were forbidden from, you know, advertising like that. So although we've made a lot of headway, in some ways we're back at square one with the tobacco companies and the tactics they're using. They're back after our kids again. Smoking is obviously one of the leading causes of cancer. Another one that has raised concerns is tanning beds. Can you address that? While we don't have any programs specifically about the dangers of using tanning beds, there was legislation introduced last year and perhaps the last couple of years to try to raise the age, um, have a minimum age, because it is a dangerous activity. Unfortunately, even after a hearing um, where there was a lot of hard evidence about it being directly linked to skin cancer, the legislation has failed to pass. But the American Cancer Society and the FDA, they have all you know, said that this is a direct linkage to skin cancer. So I would think the least of the things that we as a state could do is require that you have reached a certain age before you could, in fact, participate in a dangerous behavior like that. Sandra, a recent report says Mississippi is 12th in the nation, cancer deaths. How does the Partnership for a Healthy Mississippi help people recognize cancer risk and how changing lifestyle might make a difference? Karen, you have to start with your youngest people. I think all of us recognize that it is much harder to change a bad habit than it is to start good habits. So the younger that you can get information before the kids, we have our signature K through sixth grade program with parents to rat, rat meaning reject all tobacco and is the tagline being you better tell someone. With our youngest learners getting good information before them about the dangers of certain behaviors. And then as they move into being teenagers, changing your messaging so that they understand that a lot of times on a bad behavior side, there is an industry that's enticing you. And so trying to help them understand that they don't want to just be a statistic and making good choices along the way, no matter what, whether it's making a good choice to eat properly, making a good choice to be physically active, making the choice not to drink and drive, text and drive, just really teaching children early on that there are consequences to your behaviors. And while you might not be able to see it right now, 20 years from now, you may have a, a much harder time because of a choice that you made as a teenager. We work with students, schools, communities, uh, so that we all can embrace good health and understand that it is something that we as a state need to put our best foot forward and we need to help make the healthy choice the easy choice. 
for all Mississippians. Sandra Shelson is the executive director of the Partnership for a Healthy Mississippi. Sandra, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. World Cancer Day is being observed this Sunday, February 4th. Researchers say half of all cancers in the U.S. could be prevented if people adopted healthy lifestyle choices, including avoiding tobacco and alcohol, exercising, and maintaining a healthy weight. Coming up, as you prepare for the big game, food safety experts are waving the flag before any dish spoils. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Last time on the Gestalt Gardener. Come in here and talk to him, Billy. Wait, wait. What are we doing? Is this pastel around the room day? That going for more of a potted plant hanging basket, hanging off the side of type of thing, rather than planting in a hole type of thing. In the hole itself, put you some ivy or some impatience, something else. But I wouldn't plant the, the saccharine fern in a hole. That sounds good. I'm going to hand you back over to Stan. No, no, no. We're going to move on to the next call. Tune in to the Gestalt Gardener today, 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. With many Mississippians playing for both teams in this weekend's Super Bowl matchup, several parties are sure to be held across the state. The Mississippi Highway Patrol is participating in a national campaign to reduce crashes and enforce safety laws. As they caution drivers about safe driving and getting a designated driver, the USDA is offering warnings of its own. Food safety officials urge sanitary preparation and keeping foods at appropriate temperatures while sitting out. USDA food Food safety specialist Archie Magulis tells us cleaning is an important first step. Make sure you clean by washing your hands thoroughly. We say about 20 seconds, warm water and soap. For little ones, we say sing the happy birthday twice. And uh, all, all countertops, everything should be clean. We say wash your hands, not the wings. If you're doing chicken wings or chicken or meats, there's no need to be washing the temperature of cooking. We'll take care of that. And we'll talk about it in the next in the uh, couple steps. The next the next one is separate, and that's separating the the raw meats from anything that's ready to eat, like uh, salad greens, or anything that you don't have to cook. Maybe some hors d'oeuvres like deviled eggs, or you know, luncheon meat and things like that, coleslaw, so forth. So if yeah. you're dealing with raw meat and you use you're working with it on the countertop. And then uh-huh. you clear it away and there's bacteria or something left behind. What's the best way to clean that countertop? Do you need to use a yeah, disinfectant? Well, you can make your own uh, sanitizing solution by, you know, of course, start with warm water and soap. Warm water and soap is the primary step. And then second, you can sanitize with a tablespoon of uh, unscented chlorine bleach. Well, you mix that first with a gallon of water. So that mixture makes a good homemade sanitizer. If you want to use the commercial one, of course, Either one, but uh, that's for cleaning the surfaces, of course, not the actual food. So the third one is the cook step. So cook always have, we say, use a food thermometer to make sure that the meats are cooked safely. Uh, 165 or anything poultry, whether it's the bird, whether it's the parts. So chicken wings, but after it's 165. Uh, anything like a burger, 160. Seafood, 145. If you're doing like a salmon or some filet. So that's the cook step. Because without a thermometer, you really... You're guessing. Um, and the next one is the last step. That's the uh, chill. You want to refrigerate foods within a couple of hours. That's to avoid any you know, exposure at the, at the elements. Danger zone, we call it. So temperatures between 40 all the way to just above 40, because 40 technically is refrigeration, 40 or below. So when you're going into a danger zone like 70, room temperature, 
you want to avoid leaving foods out any more than two hours. We call it the two-hour rule. During the Super Bowl, of course, food is going to be sitting out for guests. If Mm -hmm. you have it out for an hour and you put it back in the fridge for half an hour and then you put it back out for another... All right, and then you put it back Mm -hmm. out for another hour... Mm-hmm. Is that it? Now you're like me. You're getting technical, right? So you want to avoid <laughs> exposure. So one way to do that, it's kind of a impractical thing to keep doing, but you can avoid it easily by just keeping cold foods cold, like on a bowl of ice. Uh, and the other the other opposite is the hot foods. So you can use a small, uh, well, you can use a regular oven or chafing dishes, you know, like a buffet style or even a slow cooker. So then, you know, it, it might dry up a little bit over sometime, but it's safe. You can go for hours and hours. When you're hot holding, you see that a lot when you go to a supermarket, you're getting a rotisserie, it's very, very hot. Or if you go to the buffet, typically you'll see these hot lamps, but they, they watch those, they maintain one for Do you need to wash between salad, say, or soup or hors d'oeuvres? Yeah. yeah, the easiest way to cut through all of those scenarios is remember the following statement. We say, always wash hands with warm water and soap before and after handling raw meats, poultry, that would be, of course, seafood, eggs. All of these things can harbor bacteria. It's not unusual. So before and after. People want to listen to this because they don't want to poison their guests on Super Bowl (laughs) Sunday. Um, You want to have a good time. You don't want to be ill. And it's actually lots of these little basics. Uh, People leave food out all the time. This is year-round. They say, well, can I just reheat it now? It was out all night. Well, not really. You can reheat it. That would kill the bacteria that, that does kill microorganisms, but what you don't get rid of are the byproducts of those germs, and we call them toxins. And those don't go away. They're not living. They're just like chemical compounds, and they can make you very sick. So you can reheat that soup or casserole that you left out, but those toxins can still be there. So that's dangerous. Whenever you leave foods out too long, you got to throw it out. What is the hotline number and a website people can find any sure. more information? So the hotline is one. 1- that's the USDA meat and poultry hotline, and the chat service, well, it's called askkaren.gov. Archie Margulis is a USDA food safety expert. Thank you so much for being with us, Archie. Thank Thank you. you. Mm -hmm. And the State Highway Patrol's enforcement period will begin Sunday at noon and end at midnight. Coming up, the story of an unsung civil rights hero in Hattiesburg being recognized by the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Red Mountain Entertainment, presenting the Dave Matthews Band live at the Brandon Amphitheater on Tuesday, May 29th. Tickets available Friday, February 2nd at 10 a.m. More information at Ticketmaster.com. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Advocates and academics in Hattiesburg are working together to preserve the history of a lesser-known civil rights hero. MPB's Ashley Norwood reports. A group of professors at the University of Southern Mississippi is hoping a new marker on campus honoring Clyde Kennard will strengthen the community's commitment to social justice and equity. 
Kennard's Freedom Trail marker is being unveiled today on the lawn outside of the building where he first attempted to enroll at the then all-white college in 1955. Although never admitted, some say he was a catalyst for the desegregation of the school 10 years later. USM professor Sharita Johnson. He was persistent in his pursuit of education and that kind of persistence to understand how important education is to your life. That's something that resonates historically with the African-American population. In 1959, Kennard was arrested and spent seven years in parchment for a crime he did not commit. Sovereignty Commission documents published by the Clarion Ledger in 2005 revealed he was framed. He became terminally ill and died months after being released. Dr. Leslie Burrow McLemore is a civil rights veteran and chair of the Freedom Trail Task Force. It's one of these sore spots that we will have to deal with as a state uh, for the rest of our existence. He paid a great price for just simply trying to get an education at an institution of higher learning in his home state, in his hometown. USM Professor Johnson says the group will be premiering a film on the life of Clyde Kennard February 21st at the Hattiesburg Convention Center. Ashley Norwood, MPB News. As the state celebrates notable Mississippians, one Natchez teen is beginning his musical career in a major city. Tenth grader Isaiah Ambrose is headed to play the violin at Carnegie Hall in New York this weekend. During a final practice session with instructor David Troutman, he tells MPB's Ezra Wall how he got started playing the violin. Uh, I actually got started through my friend Darren. I saw him playing violin and I got interested and that's when I picked it up the year after he started. I believe I was 13 or 14. Okay, so so you've been playing uh, for just a few years. Yes. How did you find out about the opportunity to audition to play at Carnegie Hall? Darren, he's been to Carnegie Hall already, and I asked him how did he audition, and he went to the website and showed me the website. So where do you perform usually? I practice at MISO every Saturday. MISO, MISO is the Mississippi Youth Symphony Orchestra. How long have you been playing with uh, with MISO? I uh, started since September. Okay. So what's been the most challenging piece that you've had to learn so far? Concerto in A minor. Vivaldi, the current music I'm working on for New York. David Troutman is Isaiah's teacher, and he's joining us on the interview as well. When you teach someone like uh, Isaiah about the violin, and, and, they're, and they're a little bit older, and they've got to progress through that uh, literature a little bit more quickly than some of their younger counterparts. What's the challenge in, in moving them along and making sure that you've got the, the right music in front of them? The challenge is that he does it correctly. In other words, he's at the stage that I don't let a bad intonation go unnoticed or a bad tone go unnoticed. He's at the level that he needs to be good. He needs to produce a good sound with good tone, with good intonation, in a musical sense. So he's at the level much beyond, oh, little exercises and twinkle, twinkle, little star. Isaiah has a very good grasp of the technique. He catches on quickly. Isaiah imitates well, he copies well, and he practices well. And so all of those are important aspects of improving one's technique. But now we're getting into the the, the meat of the literature. For New York, he's going to be working on some Firebird Suite by Stravinsky. And there were so many things in that we had to learn, and new techniques, and some uh, Manuel de Falla that has other techniques. So Isaiah is at the point where I can be picky, 
And sometimes we have to have little come to Jesus talk about following instructions and changing his position and getting a note in the right place. But it's a joy to work with an older student who wants to improve and who is willing to take the personal time to then put into practice the techniques we talk about during private lessons. Isaiah, what are your future plans as you learn even more about playing the violin as a solo instrument or with the orchestra? Is this something that you would consider studying in college or doing even professionally? Yeah, I do plan on studying in college. I may go to Juilliard in New York, which is a music uh, musical college. So you're going to New York. You're playing on, on Monday uh, in New York at Carnegie Hall. What else are you looking forward to about the trip? Meeting my other peers and seeing different things in New York. I wish you the very best of luck. Isaiah Ambrose is a student at Natchez High School. He's in the 10th grade, and he'll be performing on Monday at Carnegie Hall. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's the Gestalt Gardener. At 10 o'clock, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation's Get to College program. Based in South Haven, Jackson, and Ocean Springs, Get to College advisors help students and families plan and pay for college.